Welcome to Demon Guys. Today we're going to talk about influencers and uh, we want to basically cover why is this topic interesting? So why is it anything beyond the buzzword that a lot of people like to throw around? Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit based on our research what exactly an influencer is. And then the juicy stuff is actually some case studies that we've prepared to look into when are influencers successful? How hard is it to be an influencer? And uh, we're going to sum it up again with some uh, key learnings about how you can think about monetizing your content, making like a parallel with um, some concepts from growth hacking like channel product fits, and may try to assess, well, should anybody be an influencer? Is it easy to be one? Is it complicated? But that's kind of the gist of it. So, Vlad, why, why does this matter? Is the influencer market a big one? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit you with some fast facts right now. There are around 3.5 billion social media users around the world. Uh, Facebook is the most popular platform. Uh, I'll split a bit the, the generations. 90% are millennials. Millennials, sorry about that. Seventy-seven <laughs> uh, percent Gen X and forty-eight percent baby boomers, uh, active users on social media. Uh, the normal person spends around three hours a day on social media and messaging apps. And uh, I think, um, yeah, we with with those numbers, I think we can say, yeah, it's a pretty pretty big market and we have a lot of influencers or on on those only like uh, on uh, instagram we have like 500 million active users every day and uh, to like there are this community of people who are like feeding content constantly in order to to to, to keep all this audience entertained yeah. More so than ever, even huh? with the yeah. pandemic and everything. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a lot of. But it, but it like it's uh, everybody kind of knows that social media is big. Yeah. But what I think is not quite as well known is, for example, how much specific channels are used for uh, product discovery. So I even came across a stat from a source that claimed that basically. Roughly 70% of shopping enthusiasts, they use Instagram for product discovery. So it's not just to consume, you know, content per se. It's not just to post memes, even though, of course, that's a huge chunk of it. Uh, a lot of people, they actually use it as a, like a, almost like a pre-shopping experience. They figured out, oh, what are my favorite content creators using? What are they endorsing? Or perhaps they like a specific theme and they come across, you know, organic ads for it but it's it's something used nowadays also is a good gateway for shopping more so than ever before especially with advances in uh, finance that it's easier now to buy stuff from your app from your phone so yes long story short a lot of people are using it and not just in general to consume content but also to make some choices regarding behavior regarding products so yes it's a huge market but what's yeah we're we're saying influencer, I think people can have uh, different views about an influencer, you know, like uh, maybe, uh, maybe your uncle has quite a few followers on Instagram, but is he an influencer? Are you an influencer? If you have a thousand followers on Instagram, what is it? And the, sh well, basically the boring yet more accurate answer is it depends. Basically an influencer is somebody 
who has the power to affect, for example, the purchasing decisions of others because of his of or her authority, knowledge, position, or even kind of like a mix of all of that I've mentioned so far in their relationship with the audience. They have kind of like a distinct, or they have perhaps a distinct niche with, with whom he or she actively engages. So an influencer doesn't necessarily have a huge audience, but essentially is something that, as simple as it sounds, inf measurably influences people's behavior you know, if they say, I'm reading this book, it's more likely that a chunk of their audience is going to read the book because so it's going to purchase it. So that's kind of the, the gist of it. And depending on the niche, you can have, uh, you know, you can have somebody with your, a very small audience that's very engaged as opposed to have, you know, somebody with a huge audience who, you know, a silly example comes to mind, but a, a while back, uh, I saw an article that was um, a, a woman on Instagram that she had, I don't know, a huge amount of followers and she tried to launch a, some kind of clothing brand or whatever. And I think she sold like 30 of it, 30 items of it. I mean, I don't know the, the specifics, so maybe the, yeah. product, the, the merch wasn't so great, but the point being, in this case, if you look at this definition, you can even consider, well, was she really an influencer or not? Because as we see here, influencer essentially is, you get to, you have an impact on people and how they think and what they want to buy and so on. Um, yeah, and now without going too deep into the textbook definition, so I mentioned that the audience is not necessarily the best metric for it, but if you use the audience as a spectrum, you know, some sources claim that it's like mega influencers are people who have like over a million followers and macros are, uh, have between 40K and a million. There are micro influencers who have between 1K and 40. And well, the, the, what's interesting here is because once again, it's not just about the size of the audience, but how engaged they are with you. So basically, you don't necessarily need to have to become a, you know, internet celebrity to be able to monetize some of your content to actually get some views. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to, to 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 say something here because I think uh, it's really important to understand before going into our cases, study cases. Uh, I think uh, there's this. Uh, thing where people kind of question the power of the influencers and I have some stats that are really interesting because many people say yeah we're you are not really influenced like you, when you go on Instagram you, it's usually this preconception that there are those girls that are really aggressive with their with their brand deals and they're annoying and they actually don't have any return but I have some stats like 49% of consumers today depend on influencer recommendation for the purchase decision 60% have been influenced by a recommendation and uh, marketeers say usually that uh, you see an eight times return on investment on a, on a brand uh, deal that you do. So that's uh, some real life data. And, uh, eight times? Eight times, yeah. That's insane, okay. Yeah. So even, people, even if people say that it's not really effective or want to believe that, that you somebody doesn't really have the power to influence it they they do and uh, i think we'll show more how in the the cases and also some other data it's like you don't always have the the goal necessarily to to sell directly 85% of the campaigns are used for brand awareness and 71% to reach new audiences and only 64% to generate and convert to sales. So a lot of companies are just trying to put their name out there and their products and to get known by customers and to, to tap into that audience that influencer has. 
so it's uh, not necessarily always going for the for the sale you know like the direct so sale speak. for that product it's to to create brand awareness a lot mm -hmm. in a niche but you said something about was it 49% of uh, what did you say of uh, people consider influencers for the consumers to depend on influencers uh, that's, to, that's yeah I mean, I wonder, I, I'm not sure, we don't have to go so deep in the numbers, but I do wonder, uh, yeah, how they got, because that, I'm really surprised by that. That's a huge, I mean, I know they have an issue, but 40, that's yeah. a lot. I guess it really depends on age group and geographical location, but. Yeah, it crazy. depends on the on the sample, but yeah, I saw in this this research, it was pretty, it, it was pretty surprising. But I think, to be honest, if I, if I analyze myself as well, I, I kind of check check some products if somebody else used it and if they're famous a bit <laughs> and was their, yeah. their feedback on it. Yeah. Like, uh, because I think people are really used to reviews nowadays. Mm -hmm. Like you, you read reviews on Amazon, you read your reviews everywhere and it's like a premium review, you know, like it's like a blue check mark review has a bit more <laughs> yeah, value than, 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 uh, a normal one and uh, especially if you see it if it's not done if it's done correctly where where it's not trying to sell it to you that much it's kind of giving the experience what, what is the experience with the product or with the service then you kind of believe it a bit more you know like uh, and i think that that's what people do without really realizing that they have a few a few people who sometimes from time to time they check if if they see something that they promote they they may 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 convert a bit to and check that product yeah. interesting uh, yeah i yeah cuz i'm trying to put myself into your shoes now thinking a bit because i think i'm an, i'm a nightmare to, to for sales people because i'm super <laughs> annoying yeah. i usually kind of really know what i want to buy regardless mm -hmm. of the industry but trying to think you know off the top of my head yeah i mean if you have if you follow some people and suddenly of course that if they promote something that I think it's interesting, I'm more yeah. likely to look into it then. Yeah. Yeah. And also I was just thinking from the top of my head before I even go on the case that is um for example in the video game market, which is huge, there's a lot of small influencers or people who are like they're not connected to any um a website, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And they just put content, they put reviews and they are huge influencers. You see this in the comments. So people actually kind of follow exactly what you're saying. So instead yeah. of going on, you know, whatever Amazon review, whatever, they just wait for their favorite people to give their two cents or this, or even for films. I'm pretty sure this happens for films as well. You have your favorite YouTube film critics and what have you. Yeah. 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 And that, and that brings us to today's sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Please. Yeah, we wish. <laughs> if somebody wants to sponsor us. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. We'll that'll give a great, great review. <laughs> 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 yes absolutely but uh, yeah let's go into the the case studies man yeah uh one the first one that kind of uh drew my attention it's a bit of, it's almost a bit of a silly one because i think it's the only one i found so far but it's actually a digital influencer so basically while back there was like there it's the use of digital avatars and uh the one i'm talking about now specifically is the Leo Michela, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, which was like an artificial model that they promotes for Calvin Klein, Prada and other fashion brands. And at the at least at the moment of the research that I'd done, it, uh, she had almost 3 million social media followers, 
and made a cut of almost $9,000 per sponsor post, which I thought was fascinating. But I How mean, crazy, the question right? here is, yeah, great. But is this, is this like the beginning of, uh, the, of the beginning of the end of the real influencers or is it just an outlier? And I think even though I love sci-fi and I've even the research on avatars, this is just an outlier because it's, you know, influencers is way more than just looks. And, uh, you know, there's a, definitely a limit to, to at least with the technology so now to actually have a sustainable cool influencer that is not a real person. Yeah. I, I'm, I wonder, I wonder when, when they'll start doing, to be honest, transform the character of a movie or a, or a TV series in an influencer, because I saw, I saw a show randomly. I, 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 I listened a bit. There were, it was something focused on anime. They were discussing mm -hmm. like anime stuff, dude. And they were so passionate. And there's like a whole community who watches anime, and they were like in love with the characters, you know, mm -hmm. the personality. Of, because many anime they're so complex, and they have so many like they have so many episodes, and they really develop the character features. And I wonder when they'll start to have like a like a character, like they're to convert that personality of the character into social media and to monetize it. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting. As you were saying this, I was thinking of, um, you know, uh, John Oliver from the HBO show. Yeah. Like in a way, I mean, I'm sure he's a, he, uh, he's a decent comedian or what have you, but what makes his show so popular is the writing and the writing is not necessarily done only by him right so that's yeah. kind of a, like a similar thing so essentially like with the anime character even avatar if well avatar i think is a bit tougher because the anime has the whole backstory but as long as you have a team of talented people that kind of tailor and make the content for the character sure i'm sure this can work and that's a yeah. very interesting and even we say niche but to be honest i have no data on this but man so many people like secretly or not anime i think it's really one yeah. of those guilty pleasures for a lot of people this definitely yeah. can be a, yeah. a niche to tap into yeah i'm sure to be honest yeah what you're saying with the example it's basically every every late night show they have right exactly yeah so so it's like a product product uh, that they design to yeah i mean i don't want to <laughs> to crap on. i mean i'm sure for example the corner, i mean they're funny they're talented they can improvise what have you but it's you know they need the backing of the writers it's yeah. not, you're not a yeah. one-man show so the yeah. same way you can yeah it would be interesting to see in a few in a, uh, in a later case that will show i'll give you a really cool story that i have regarding this with the writers <laughs> <laughs> perfect but then okay we talked about the outlier ai let's go to the big the big, the big one. boss the big yeah. one the the podfather himself, <laughs> Joe, Joe Rogan. The pod, yeah the og yeah i think i think to be honest i think probably has the best conversion with products and uh, like he even he was saying that uh, you he promoted so much the float tanks those those isolation tanks where you meditate inside and float in water that when they start doing surveys at the reception how did you hear about us they have joe rogan and then they have a, a channel, channel. <laughs> it, it's his, his own channel about that Man. and it's he didn't he, he was like never sponsored by that he just used it and he sore by it that it's so cool and he does that for many products sometimes he starts by discovering them maybe by sponsor, getting sponsored and testing it but many times he just does it for something random that he just loves and he people it becomes a trend like he, people get crazy about it yeah and, and he, it's because it's he, he's he presents such a trust 
he, he, his opinion is so trusted because he always had this attitude where uh, he, he's honest and he's not, he, he tries to say the truth and that's his brand. And I think his brand is perfect to do those type of promotions because, and he said it, I'm not going to promote something that is shitty. Like I'm going to check it out. And if I feel like it's, it's a bad thing, I'm not just going to promote it for the money. I'm going to try keep it fair. And I think this transparency and his, his branding really, really is really influencing people in that sense and really making them purchase something or test something on, or, or even try something new, like uh, going to an activity that they wouldn't do it normally. Yeah. But I think in his case, um, it goes even deeper because I know a lot of, um, influencers or want to be influencers of course i have the same kind of like uh, narrative you know they're gonna say oh yeah of course i'm not gonna endorse something that i don't believe in that i haven't used oh yeah i think with him it's more even though i mean we should we should be fair we're both dudes and we're really his demographic so i mean yeah. of course we're gonna and <laughs> probably with this. and probably everyone anyone who listened to us listened to <laughs> anybody yeah no but i think with him it goes beyond that because uh i like he's it, it's very congruent it seems like i i mean of course there were some types of people were kind of uh telling you know being a big question oh he, he didn't push so hard on a guest or whatever but the, yeah. the standard way of that he's perceived is of kind of like you know he's open to discuss things and ideas and having a free flow conversation for three hours that's his brand that was his not just his brand that's exactly his value proposition which yeah. he's done for years consistently so when you see somebody doing that week in week out and mostly, I'm sure there's some ex ex exceptions. He, it's open. He holds open. He questions. Seems to be open-minded and to question. It, it's really different when you see that and you engage. And then he says, "Hey, I'm promoting this because I think it's it's cool." So I think yeah. it's a it's a full-fledged yeah. And uh, another thing with him, I think we have the perfect examples, not in products necessarily, but in people. There's so many examples of per people who went on the show once or twice and their their career just blew up because he yeah. he he has this thing where he puts them in a on a stage and he the way he is and the way he he goes with the conversation really brings up like the 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 a part where people fall, kind of fall in love with that person and and uh, i think he has also this talent of going with the discussion in a way and making it interesting that it brings the best out of of the guest you know like he doesn't really have bad shows with where guests don't become interesting where guests are boring or where guests uh, like he, he's a he, really good conversationalist yeah yeah exactly yeah I, that's that's an innate talent yeah yeah but i think this is kind of showing the way his show and him has the power to really influence people the way his stage really blows up people's careers and there are like quite a few examples i, I think the, the latest one is like tim dylan yeah like I, I i've heard like after the last two shows with the the election podcast that he went with the uh, was the guy the, uh, the election ones yeah yes <laughs> and after after that those podcasts he he had one or two i think in a row uh apparently like everybody knows him now like it's like he, it's life-changing yeah. his, his talk went through the sky yeah 
Yeah, and that, exactly. And what more of a proof of influence than that? Because it's not just yeah. about getting people to buy stuff. You get people, you get your audience to buy ideas, to buy into other people. And yeah, um, yeah but what, what what's fascinating about him as well is because he's really like a one-man industry almost, right? Yeah. Like it's this whole media, like the, the, that he managed to leverage other products and some business ideas. And by doing and something now, that seemingly seems to be fun, you know, he's just yeah. having fun being open. Yeah, and now he he leveraged his brand and sold it, licensed <laughs> yeah. it for 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 a ton of money, which is really really cool to to see that. So, yeah, yeah we talked about. I mean, the we can go funny. really deep into there's a, yeah, some, yeah, some of his fans there like saying, "Oh, I should have gone to Spotify," but I think the point is he's like really a huge example of a influencer, and it's not something that happened from you know in a couple of weeks. It was years of being consistent putting content out there, yeah. really doing things that are congruent with, you know, whatever value proposition you have, whatever brand that you have for yourself. Yeah. But it's a, it's a basic, it just shows like you could be a yeah. mega influencer. Yeah. And now uh, we'll, we'll go to something more controversial. And I think an example of influencers who, who focus more on not influencing people in a sense of uh, purchasing or brand recognition. I think they, they, they have this ability to, to really expand and become way more famous than anyone else and use this influencing power on themselves in a, in a way and through putting themselves into different positions and different characters and different activities. It's like Logan Paul and Jake Paul. Their transition from platform to platform, I think it's a thing that we, we need to mention it as a, as a case study. Because they started and they converted now from two platforms, Vine and YouTube, to mainstream. And they they were always they changed their character. They were like the goofy brothers who were doing like fast, fast uh, jokes on Vine. Then they were like the vloggers, and then they were the controversial vloggers, <laughs> and then they were like singers, and now they're boxers. And it's all this focus on their personalities and how they rebrand themselves with time but become bigger and bigger and uh i think it's really really cool to talk about it yeah because it's a uh, i think not many many influencers went through those stages and made like a like a snowball effect where they grew bigger and bigger through through moving on on from platform to platform and through environment to environment what what's your what's your no i first i was just <laughs> i would say well the only thing i would change in what you said is uh, i would say they try to be singers and now they're trying to be boxers i want to say yeah. they are quite, quite yet but no i mean i agree 100 percent. it's uh it's crazy because people i think because they were so controversial many uh so many points or annoying content wise for many people it's easy to dismiss what they've done dismiss you know what they're all about but it's it's insane if you think about it for years managing to create a following to be able to you know like you said navigate across different platforms to not just keep your non-news but build a new audience and kind of reinvent yourself in different ways uh, i mean i'm sure it, i think people see you know just a crazy lifestyle or just a nice and i'm sure of course if you have been that's always it's great to be able to have some leverage and everything but it also sounds like a lot of work, man. It's really not simple. If it was that simple, if it was that easy, a no. lot of people would have done it. It's no, a man. lot of work. 
to do yeah, all it's, it's a lot of work and i think the 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 what, what i wanted to talk about them is the the way they i think i feel like they're the product and they really focused on that like how do i bring me the product to the next level and to become more popular and become more mainstream like uh, the, i i feel they they try to do it in the same way a company tries to to bring brand awareness to them to their product uh to or to themselves they did the same thing through different to whatever it took to make them more popular so they saw vlogging is becoming cooler or singing or doing like battles or rap battles or some something like that and also controversy they saw it brings a lot of attention to them and i think they use each each of those as a step to become more famous now and now i think everybody knows about them uh, after the fight with tyson with his brother and now fighting floyd mayweather which is ridiculous it's, yeah it's absolutely ridiculous but yeah yeah but it's great it's really yeah they really see themselves in a factory as a product and they know how to you know because yeah. at the end of the day you might have a very strong reaction against them whatever but it's very hard to be indifferent you know you have it's hard to be complete it's pretty they evoke something in you by being maybe boxers being crazy by do pulling things off like for example not being professional boxers and somehow landing this gig it's it's crazy yeah. and one th one thing that kind of surprised me as well especially about uh, the older brother Logan is this whole um how he even he innovates from a business model perspective as well right because if you think i mean i to be honest i don't know the whole history of it, but i think as far as i remember a few years back they were the really big ones who managed to kind of monetize their audience in terms of i'm creating merch i'm going to try to make merch yeah. really cool really selling a lot and now with this new thing which to be very frank i don't fully on it doesn't appeal to me so that's why it's hard for me to understand but going from not just merch but having kind of like a subscription model to you and yeah. we talked about this before privately but it was like instead of having just a uh, patreon mm -hmm. it's literally that that he becomes kind of the platform so then you pay a small fee per month and then there's the whole thing of like a random gift that you might win and the gift might be monetary it might be an item or might be like the chance to hang out with him have a call it's with also him. extra extra content yeah ex exactly extra content which is very interesting and very innovative from a business perspective right? because i mean yeah. at the end of the day it's subscription you know yourself as a product as a service is not new but to kind of like realize hey i can cut the middle guy because i have enough leverage i don't need to be on patreon i can i don't need to give him a cut that's yeah. pretty smart i'm not yeah. sure if he came up with this by himself he has really good advices but that's really 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 smart and to be yeah. honest with me a little bit like i i, I have a lot of if you think about influences, you know, I love stand-up comedy for a lot of guys, but man, I don't think I would commit to the patron to any one of them. And I really like your content. <laughs> so for me, it seems a bit crazy that people would do that. But sure, you know, I it's the same principle as you know, almost like gambling, right? Because you pay a little bit and you might get something very cool yeah. every month or so. The the only one I think which is kind of moving to towards that direction, but it, it didn't went through on his own way. And I, I've heard discussions him discussing before that he might do that but he he didn't it, it was rogan he was talking a few years ago i think about oh i'm gonna do an app and on that app maybe it will be like a subscription model a paywall and he didn't do it he went to spotify which is kind of like but it's not it's not his platform it's a corporate thing but uh, yeah you don't have many influencers who are uh, are doing their own 
platform and managing it and really cutting the middleman and they're all do, going to Patreon or something like that. Yeah, I don't think you can or only fully fans. do that. Or if I, that's another topic. You cannot <laughs> fully do that because, the, like, for example, if Rogan had done that, you just add friction. And that doesn't, I think you always want to say, try to grow your base as much as possible and then kind of offer, you, you try to cover the whole demand curve, right? So then you add extra things. But I think essentially it's, it's not sustainable to think you can just add a paywall when people are still going to support. Yeah. You know, that's not the case. The, the thing is, the why it wouldn't work in Rogan's case would be because he his product is the content with what logan did and with his platform it's the content is not uh, only on that platform so 80% of his content is on exactly, the internet yeah. and it's the extra it's the extra it's the extra logan didn't yeah. doesn't do that extra thing or at least he never did it like that it was always like his content and if you would stop the content it would stop your growth and also create a bit of friction as you said yeah what uh, regarding paywalls also i saw a, a few interesting things paid uh, kind of podcast shows i saw there are a few podcasts like your mom's house and two bears one cave i i, I they are the first who, I, who from the ones that i kind of keep in touch with that i saw they did this i'm not sure if others are doing it and it's really interesting and apparently they're having crazy success with it is basically a, like a monthly show where it's a really special thing like they they it's not only a podcast it's mm -hmm. a podcast where they really put some production in where they do some skits or they do some bits or they go somewhere and film a material special mm -hmm. uh, or they do something crazy during that episode and they have no no they you can't censor them because it's on their own Uh, platform so it's not on youtube so they they have no censorship and apparently they're they're having they're they're really successful and it's not a subscription it's a, like a ticket to a show but it's a virtual show it's a like pay-per-view kind of thing yeah pay-per-view on on a show which is i i i've i never heard about it until it's very it's very innovative you know as a uh, mm -hmm. as a business model experimentation so to say yeah I mean, that's the thing because like It's not really, it's not groundbreaking, you know, boxing was like this, but it's very interesting to see, you know, when we think about innovation as always, innovation always groundbreaking. No, it can always be something like you get a good practice from a different industry, a different segment, and you apply it where, somewhere where it hasn't been done before. To yeah, see if in a works. different environment, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's very, but, but if you think about it, it's crazy, right? Because it's like the Subarus and Wonkiewicz, they have, they use their, their, this, the podcast to, you know, to get brand awareness, to get people to hear about their jokes, to like them. And then they use that as a main channel to say, hey, come see me when you could still go outside, of course. Yeah. And then also they're leveraging more value. The producer getting more value from this kind of innovation. It's very, again, it's like you really manage to monetize what you're good at in different ways. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's what a lot of good influencers do, which is, it's great. It's like, it's, again, it sounds like it's go ways, it goes way beyond simply being on Instagram and uh, showing like some cool socks and telling yeah. people to buy them. It's really more than that. And uh, for, to go to, to our next topic regarding like leveraging your, your power on social media, I think we have a, a, a new hot comedian because you're a big fan of comedy. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, Andrew Schultz, who also like skyrocketed himself from, from, being like a newer comedian to become 
like a big superstar right now. Like he got a Netflix show. His uh, his shows also like podcasts and everything are really really popular. And it was all through social media, through through YouTube and through through other platforms, because he he took a different approach. He used social media as a launching ramp to to his stand up. Like he he put clips and he put uh, full stand up shows where where he could have gotten a deal with some platform and bury that 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 material. Uh, but he he chose to to go for the he put himself as the product like Logan and, and Jake. He was the product that he was trying to promote and he did everything he could to get as much as attention to, to the product. Yeah. To be fair, in his case, I think like, <laughs> I, I, I like the way you framed it because I think that's how he would like to frame it. But I think what happened really in the beginning, it's this innovation, if you can call it this way, came from a place of constraints. So he did want to go the standard road, but he mm-hmm. couldn't get, which is fine, right? It's hard. It's really, we're talking about influence. It's very hard to get a special. So because he couldn't get get a, the special, then he, he tried to figure out, okay, at least that's what he says on his, his TED talk as well. He was trying to figure out, I, I cannot make it the main way. I cannot sell the special. So how can I get my, yeah, how can I maximize brand awareness? How can I get uh, more people to listen to me? Because let's be honest, YouTube exists for quite a while. It's, it was not groundbreaking to just put your content on it, that mm-hmm. wasn't. But what was different about him is that he kind of, he tried to sh- display on his original like a special that was on YouTube, not just the, the, the stand-up itself, but like give you a little bit of a glimpse of the life of the comedian. So before, so what he was eating before. So it was kind of like blog slash content. So that mm-hmm. was the, the catch. It wasn't just, first of all, the whether you're a fan of his or not, enough people found him funny. So that's the first important, most important thing. Because if he wasn't funny to a, a group, a big enough chunk of people, this wouldn't have worked. But yeah. that was interesting that he, and when he says in his TED talk, but uh, I do wonder how far he went on this. He kept saying that his insights was that a lot of people who were, he was asking around, okay, how do you consume comedy? Which special are you watching? And a common trend that he heard when he was just, you know, asking around was that people liked it, but they wouldn't finish specials in one go because they're spent, whatever, they were tired after work, they wouldn't sit through a whole hour thing. Mm-hmm. And that was like his insights. Okay, not only do I need to put content, but it has to be really broken down, which again, not groundbreaking, but you combine that with kind of a vlog of that's a co- the lifestyle of a comedian in New York pre-pandemic. Also mm-hmm. very important because it was still <laughs> very nice <laughs> to see that. And that was the thing that got out there. And what I thought was bold of, of him as well is just before Chappelle had, had posted another special, he posted another full free special on YouTube, which was just crowd work. And again, yeah. really depending on whether you, it's your humor, if you like it or not, but you can appreciate the fact that it was very ballsy, so to speak, and that he really managed to leverage the platform more by yeah. trying to go from insights towards breaking down in different ways. But but I think it's a really cool case study to to look from the perspective of monetization, because you can really see how you can monetize in different ways. Like there, there's the classic way where you monetize by getting a deal with the platform and getting a big paycheck now, or you can just push, push, push and sacrifice the profits in the beginning and invest in you as the product and get as much visibility and, and uh, awareness as possible. And I think uh, he did that the same. He did the same with the show that he did on Instagram, the whole yes. pandemic. And uh, then his monetization came later in a, in a Netflix deal. But 
he did that and he invested, invested, and he put a, put a lot of work in that. And then he, he monetized it like that. And I think uh, it's really cool to look from that perspective because, yeah, influencers have different ways of monetization. And I think many choose to focus on the short return and on the live, live from brand deals and, and have this maybe safer route. I never saw him do brand deals too much or, or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he always, yeah, pushed, pushed for, for him to, 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 to be the product. Yeah. And I mean, whether you, again, whether you love his comedy, no, or no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at it from a, from strategy, no, but that's my, because I, because I think he's kind of, he's kind of very polarizing because people like sometimes, at least when I, when I did some research on him as well, because he also likes telling how he got there and they, you know, he, it's polarized. Yeah. Sometimes people think, Oh, he's overestimated, but no, I think he, he, yeah, he talks very, about it a bit too much, but but the point being is that he read the market well. Like you were yeah. saying, it's something that it's a highly competitive market. There is a oversupply of content. I'm not even talking about comedy in general. There's so much content being put out there. And then he's figuring out, okay, the, the way to get there is like, I cannot monetize the short term, but I need to get awareness. And to do that, first, I need to have content that is relevant for the, my target audience. I need to do it consistently. And, yeah. you know, like you said, you know, I take a hit money-wise the beginning by just providing value straight away. And then I somehow managed to monetize it. But it's, yeah. comedy is interesting. So should we move to the next case study? Yes. And yet another one. And now it's one that is the most, one of the most intriguing for me. The streamers. Streamers, yeah. <laughs> for now, before <laughs> the last one. Yeah, because... Uh, I find it fascinating. I find it, uh, it's, I, to be honest, before this, uh, this episode, I hadn't really dug around so much on Twitch or what mm-hmm. have you, but that's also another fascinating platform where you have people who really make a career of, you know, doing what they love the most, a hobby, so to say, like they play video games or whatever. They don't just do that. Of course, there's entertaining, yeah. there's whatever, but essentially they can have, they play for ages on Twitch. Then they make like a highlight of whatever happened, whatever is more, most interesting or they think it's interesting, make a cut, put it on YouTube. And yeah. it's again, another thing of being creative about using different platforms, knowing your, knowing your audience and how to leverage your content the most. But it's just, it seems somehow so futuristic. Like I like video games and everything, but it's crazy to think that, I mean, I don't really, to be honest, I don't really watch streamers. I don't have any problem with anybody who does, but I find it fascinating that there is a huge market for that. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people who I talk to, they're like, why would I watch somebody play a game that I can play? But I I really thought about it pre- trying to prepare this episode. Is I really thought about it. Why why, why is this happening? And it's, it's like, we watch we watch sports. Sports, it's we, the same, exactly. It's the it's same. Exactly analogy. the same. We we like to watch somebody somebody who's doing something way better than we can. Like we can't play like those streamers. Like they play at the highest level. Most of them they're really good, and uh, that there's the same thing like sports. You could play basketball, but you're not going to be LeBron James. You're, no, you can't. Watch so, so you you want to watch basketball? You know? That's exactly. Which is it's a very false. Number. People say exactly. I agree with you completely. And, and it has a bit of uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, it was it has also a bit more uh, entertainment in the sense that you kind of get to know the person and if he has a cool personality, you also start uh, being like uh, liking the the 
the persona behind the, the player, which you don't have in sports that much. Exactly. Yeah, but th that's the thing. That's another interesting part because it's more than I think a big chunk is like you said. They're like elite players on a game, and that's it's the, the same very perfect analogy with sports. But I feel like in comparison with sports, you expose as a streamer way more of your personality. Exactly. Because yeah. you're talking, you because you know whenever you don't have really microphones, really, and I love basketball. I never hear how they're talking. To, there's not much time for them to talk to each other. First of all, so you don't really, you know, some of the the players that have very cool personalities. Yeah, they monetize that. You get to know more, but across time, it's not as organic. But a streamer is all that they spend hours together. You hear them talk and everything. So it's this sweet spot. That's interesting combination of somebody who has, a, is really talented at something. Yeah. And they are somehow relatable and not in the typical way because streamers, as you might imagine, at least for the research that I've done, they're not really necessarily the super cool, good looking guys, but they're just, they're fun. There is a guy that I came across the research. It's called, really funny name on, it's called Seagull, I think. And he's just a streamer of a, mostly of Overwatch. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he looks very geeky. He's not the type of guy to think, oh, he's a, you know what I mean? It's, it's not somebody that you think would stand out. But he's a, he comes across as a really nice person, has a silly sense of humor, and you combine that he's relatable and yet really talented at something. And also another aspect is that for some games, if you're into that, of course, they are consistently perhaps more entertaining than some sports. Because sports mentality, for example, I come from a country, we love football. But dude, some matches in football, however talented, amazing it is, can be very slow. Can be yeah. very you know, yeah. whereas games by default by design they're constantly faster doesn't mean yeah. it's better or worse just saying oh from a say even on a adrenaline perspective energy perspective it's consistently more engaging you have people on a high level who you get to know better so it yeah. really doing the research for this kind of opened my eyes a bit i really before yeah. i wouldn't say that i didn't get it at all but now i i kind of <laughs> i appreciate and, it more and another thing compared to 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 an athlete comparing to an athlete Uh, because you have this this engagement with the person and the personality and you start liking them, they have the ability to switch because most of the popular streamers, they're not only one game streamers. They, they start streaming other games as well. So you kind of, they influence you to trust. Maybe you didn't like that game that much, but you get into it because he likes it, you know, mm -hmm. and you like his entertainment. So you're going to go with him. And uh, I, I, I think many, many streamers switch to, to through games when they become popular, they start a new game when a new game becomes popular. And I think they bring their, that their audience with them because they have this personal touch and they're, they're this influencing power over people to, to, to make exactly. check that out. And I think implicit in what you're saying, but now I don't have the data yet, and I think there's been more studies to verify, is to compare the shelf life, so to speak, between a streamer versus a common athlete. Because from a physical perspective, of course, as a streamer, if you're, if you're engaging and you try to invent yourself, from a physical perspective, you can stream for as long as you want. I yeah, I think it's, it's not that. It, I think it's not that old, so I don't. I don't think we have. Yeah, it's hard to be. But my point is, just from a physical yeah. perspective, there's already in theory at least you can in do theory, it for yeah. longer. The question: Will you remain yourself consistent? I don't know, but it's it's interesting to see from that perspective as well. Yeah, I think yeah, it is. And uh, shall we move to the to the yes, last let's, case? Yes, let's go for the only last fans. case study. So, <laughs> yeah. so for people who don't know, OnlyFans, it. Uh, it's a platform 
which has now over 30 million registered users and over 450,000 content creators. It's a, it's a platform where you have, uh, you post, it's a subscription model and you, you, people subscribe to your content and it's mostly adult content and they're like uh, guys or girls who have their account and you subscribe to that specific person and they entertain that community and uh, OnlyFans gets 20%. <laughs> and uh, I think it doesn't have to be adults content, right? It can be anything. No, it's it could so be anything, but it's, 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 it's mostly. So yeah. <laughs> let's not go around <laughs> lie to ourselves. It's not pornographic content. <laughs> it is that. And uh, I think it's, it really, really changed uh, the a big a big uh, uh, market the the adult industry market and also sex working market because a lot of the the content creators there are ex uh, sex workers or porn stars a lot of porn are retired because uh, because of OnlyFans because they they make way more money there are some some who make a million a, a month. Yeah, because I think you're you can set the fee right for your. It's yeah, up to fifty dollars per month subscription, and you can do one-time purchases. Like, uh, you can sell a photo one time only, and you pay a different. And you can get, uh, is it donations? You can get tips or something. So because in Twitch, there's a similar. I think when I was doing some research, Uh, uh, I'm not sure about the tips. Probably, uh, I didn't see that but, feature but you might but in any case what I, what I find super interesting about it is that it sounds like a uh, a disruption of the whole of part of the market right because I think yeah. on one hand, uh, I think it, it kind of empowers creators more because now you have one kind of safe-ish platform where you can do if what if you can join if you want and yeah I just you, you stream make it you reduce the barrier to actually put your content out there if you want and you yeah. make it easier for people to find you centralize where, uh, where to find it. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, it's business model innovation. Basically it became, you can, you know, can you imagine some people making it's, I mean, it, again, it, we it, say this, it's the minority of minority, the average person that I'm sure doesn't make that much, but, uh, it's crazy. It, it's, and, it's interesting because it was kind of like a, it, it kind of disrupted like Uber did with taxi. It, mm-hmm. it, this one disrupted a few industries like that. And uh, also, I wanted to to say the story that I was I, I promised in the beginning. I know somebody uh, who who has a friend who's one of the biggest video chat uh, studio own chain owner here locally, and he's like a, not the guy that you would expect. He's like a ex corporate guy who mm-hmm. really looked at it as a business. And uh, he was saying that they have the ability to take any girl and they made a team behind every, every girl and they studied how it, the market reacts. And they basically say that doesn't, people don't care about the, the girl, they care about the, the team that they're putting in, like the studio set and the story. And they hired actors to teach them acting and they they have literally they have like uh, writers for them. So each girl has its own like kind of 
way of being and story and this kind of a character that they're playing. And they have this whole team behind them. And they say they have a 90% success rate with any girl because of this team that's creating this world and this this character for that girl to, to operate. And they also operate their OnlyFans and they help them with that and they with their video chat careers, let's say like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, I was so surprised because I always thought about it. It's like a, like a thing that you, a girl would do and kind of lost and it's uh, random. But apparently like there's a whole industry who really studied this and mm-hmm. really focused on how can I make this as scientific as possible to have success with it. <laughs> yeah, because I think people focus on the adult part, but it's really about they kind of develop a relationship with some clients, right? Yeah. Better words for them. So it really, that's, that being able to manage that is super important as well. Yeah. Uh, I must say, because I, from a business perspective, I thought it was so fascinating. And I have a, a buddy of mine who, was, who had, uh, a, had a business in a similar uh, concept called but at the moment, I did some more research. And I mean, some things, even though I think offense is, in fact, I mean, in a way, uh, provides an opportunity for people who want to, to try to monetize more content. But still, some problems from other uh, platforms linger. So, for example, you know, sometimes harassment, sometimes, you know, they uh, have to, the whole part of managing relationships. I mean, that's even an euphemism that some could get creepy people who don't respect boundaries and doxing. Yeah, that hasn't sure. changed. That's, that's something sure, that has yeah. to be. But. Having said yeah. that, it's it's just but, another means to. But I think I, I I think hearing the, those stories where you hear those good examples in the sense that the, there are people who are doing this really professionally and they're focusing on on the on on how to grow the <clears throat> and to to make it as precise as possible. I think this is encouraging because I think with time, uh, those who are like. The, the the bad part will maybe diminish because they're not really doing any innovation. Probably they're not checking it, checking how how to do how to to grow. And I think this, uh, like like the porn industry, because I was reading an article compared to OnlyFans, like in the '90s was so abusive and the girls were like victims more, and it was so bad. But now because of of this phenomenon that is almost inexistent. Like everybody's way more professional. They're organized and they're doing it for the for the business. They're doing it for the money and for the they're they're really focused on that. They're not they're not the the, the shaky part is starting to go away because of uh, this the 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 size that it took and and the 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 people who are really really focusing on developer yeah i i mean i don't have any data on this i do think and hope you're very right that it diminishes i just feel like, like I, I, yeah I, I i it's it's my opinion i don't it's not a no no but, data, but i think but I, right, I, I think it's legislation what well, my point is legislation many times i think it's gonna get better because i think you know if, if people want to do that they should be able to they should be able to do that in a safe way uh but i think well, with many things like legislation it's many years delayed behind that so yeah uh, i've even watched like a documentary on netflix called like i think hot girl wanted that many times even if it's like it's legit there's a lot of like there's a lot of gray areas but i think you know yeah hopefully eventually with time this can be minimized but at the end of the day it's a yeah. new thing and then with time hopefully practice they improve legislation improves first of all and what you deem as like acceptable 
also yeah. the, the bar is raised higher, so to say. Yeah. But I think the point here essentially is that this is a new platform and a lot of people there are definitely huge influencers. Many times yeah. I think they make way more money than most other influencers that you would think of. But uh, we, we talked about quite a few different interesting case studies from YouTubers to podcasters, comedians. And, uh, I, but I thought, I mean, the, the main point here we wanted to discuss is, okay, we talked about why this is relevant, but then what's, what are the key learnings here from these case studies, from the market itself? And I think uh, the biggest one perhaps is that it has never been easier to put your content out there and to attempt, not necessarily to be successful, but attempt to monetize it. So the bar, the entry barrier has never been lower. You yeah. know, whether you like something, you know, really general, whether you're really into a very specific niche, it's never been easier to have a podcast, have a YouTube channel, write articles on video, have a blog, what have you. So, you know, if you're creative, if you have the itch, do it. Even if it's just for fun, if you don't see it's just it's it's never been easier to get your voice to be heard. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh beyond that. I think if you look at the cases, of, for especially from uh, the Paul brothers and uh, <clears throat> even like the, some of the comedians that we mentioned, it's a little bit about not just your value proposition, like we think about growth hacking, product market fit, knowing your value proposition, what have you, but also pro your product channel fit, if you're using the right channel and how it's important to also realize, be able to tell when, you know, are you on the right platform right now? Is it going to change? How are the dynamics? Is that another platform that might help you more? What is the life, uh, the shell life of the standard content creating that platform? How are you compared to that? So I think it's something really relevant to look into a zone. Like you said, it kind of sounds almost like a <laughs> alienated, but really seeing yourself as like, what's your value proposition? Like kind of like a product and what have you. Yeah. How does it change across time? And yeah, is it, is it easy to be an influencer? Is that something that anybody, is that an easy job that anybody can do? Is it no, is it no work at all? No, it's a lot. I think it's for most no, people. I think it's, it's really challenging. Yeah. Like we, we said, it's never been easier to put yourself out there, but at the same time, there's a lot of competition. It's really not, it's very difficult to become relevant, but I honestly looking at data and all the stuff, it's perhaps equally hard, if not harder to stay relevant, you know, with changes. If you think about SEO, you know, sometimes people have a whole career, which is just basically trying to catch up with an algorithm. Many times for creators who haven't reached a certain point into, into their careers, you're doing the same. You're playing catch up with what's big right now, what is not big right now, and what happens if a certain rule changed and perhaps most of your content cannot be monetized. So it's not easy. You're, you're like many times like a, a one woman or a one man industry. If you think about it, if you really want to leverage yeah. everything, creating content, videos and what have you. And, but then again, like I, I remember reading a while back saying, oh, the influencer market is a winner takes all market. That meaning that it's basically one where there's a lot of people, but eventually only a handful actually capture all the value. And you corrected me when we were talking about this before. It's not quite a winner-takes-all market. Even if we think about our original definition of influencer, yeah, of course, a few have that huge, huge audience, but we're learning to consume way more content online. And we know that it's not just about how big your audience is, but how engaged it is. So there is a whole spectrum of different levels of influence, so to speak, and you can monetize that in different ways. So yeah, does that mean that all, all influencers are millionaires? No nor does it mean that it's easy to do, but again, it's 
it's becoming, it's almost democratizing your access to selling your idea, so to speak. So it's not necessarily a winner. It's still hard to get there, but it's not a winner-takes-all market completely, exactly. I don't think. Exactly, yeah. And not all, not all is numbers mean success. There, there are many influencers who struggle to, to convert their, their following into success because they, they did something where they become, became, they gained a following, but uh, maybe it's just like an Instagram, like a million followers, but they, the people follow them for the wrong reason. And they, they, in, in the sense that it's, it doesn't convert to, 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 to make money. They, they, they have like, a, they post funny stuff, you know, but mm -hmm. when it comes to, to really actually doing a brand deal and more than brand awareness, they're, they're not able to, to do, you know, because they don't have that personal touch. Maybe they don't have that trust. Their, their audience doesn't have that, that trust. And there are many influencers who, there are those niche channels mm -hmm. who, who really monetize and they have a lot of success and they don't have a huge following, but they, they pinpoint exactly that community and they have a relationship with that community, a trust relationship, and they, they, they are more financially successful than people who, are, who have way bigger numbers. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we, they're, they're, May more and more more of those coming up uh, lately. Like people, people are really starting to to find all the and invent new niches all the time yeah. and attract an audience who who where they can interact with. And I think the the days where you would become just a popular person on Instagram, those days are a bit over in the sense that you can't be just a general popular guy online you know who who does a bit of everything you need to to in order to to monetize i think you you kind of need to find your your path and your connection to your audience because i feel in the beginning like f five or six years ago they there were a few of those characters where they were popular they would maybe do some funny stuff most that was the easiest way to to become popular and now you see they have huge numbers And they don't, you, you, they, they still didn't change. They still kept the same recipe. And I'm, I'm really curious how, how successful their, their monetization is. Because how sustainable. The, sustainable also, yeah. Because they, they never changed. They never converted. That's why we gave the Paul Brothers example. Because they were in the same situation. They were doing funny videos even on Instagram in mm -hmm. the beginning. But they... they change they, they they saw okay this is probably a dead end we need to move on to, mm. to something else yeah but it's uh, like you said it's it's in a way because of the popularity of the internet not only is it easier for you to put yourself out there oh it's but it's easy. almost democratizing like access to you know there's so much entertainment like we're never we're be, i think unless there's a huge uh, Another horrible global tragedy that affects the network. <laughs> yeah. I think there will people you will never be bored again. Again, yeah. bored in the sense that it was possible to be 20 years ago because there's uh, so many. I think I think like. I think we can do a whole episode on on what how does social media affect ourselves and our perception <laughs> yeah. of reality. I think it, it's yeah. a huge I'm problem. Focusing on the good side, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. so what we covered today influences some case studies and uh, yeah, just it's interesting. If you have the itch for it, just try it out. Put your voice out there. Yeah. Cheers. Okay. Till next time.